0: I was just thinking as we were worshipping there that he, you know, we give people honour and worthy things all the time, sports people, scientists, people who create and invent things, but Jesus literally is the only one who is worthy of it all. I mean, I was thinking actually, you know, it's festive period and we play family games and I, I was thinking about how he has never sinned, so that means when he was growing up playing family games, because obviously Christmas initiated with his birth, he never got angry with his family playing a game, he never got greedy, he, he was literally perfect in every way, and I don't know any other person in the history of humanity who's ever done that. Uh, but I just want to say Merry Christmas, I know it's kind of late, but just hope you have had a lovely Christmas, if you're watching online, I hope you had a nice time here, but you know, my family, we play family games at Christmas, and unfortunately I won nothing this year, um, so that was a disappointment, uh, and we always have this tradition how Whoever wins at Christmas is like, that's the one that matters. Like, you can lose them all, but if you win Christmas, you are the champion for the entire year. Don't think that's particularly fair, but that's just the way that it works. But this morning, before I preach, I wanted to play a little game because growing up, there was this TV show that we would watch as a family. And anyone who knows me and my father, we would know that we love sports. So Lindsay's going to play a clip, and you can tell me, put your hand up if you recognize what this tune might be. It's just a shot, and that doesn't give anything. On your so, if you recognise it, you can stop there. So, that theme is a question of sport. So, I've just got a really one of the rounds that they play in a question of sport is the what happens next round. So, if you watch the screen, we're going to see a very what? Oh, hello, and we're going to see a very short clip. And then I'm going to ask you, there's going to be three options, and I'll reach I'll, option one, two, and three. You can put your hand up, and we'll see if you got it right. But you can watch on the screen, and you can play along online at home as well. It's, it's, from Andy Reed. Well, well. Here from... it's clearly a football match, if you don't know. So, we, does the ball, A, get deflected and hit a man in the crowd, knocking his pie out of his hand? B, the ball busts, leading to a goal-mouth scramble. I'm guessing that just kind of means chaos. And then C, the ball hits a beach ball and deflects into the goal. So if you think it's option A, what I would like you to do is raise your hand in the room. If you're watching online, you can put it in the comments. Option A. If you think it's option B, the ball busts, which leads to just a goal mouth scramble. I.e. the ball just stops working and everyone runs at the ball. Put your hand up, you can put it in the comments. Okay. And if you think it's option C, the ball hits the beach ball and deflects into the goal. Raise your hand or put it in the comments. So Lindsay, you can play it and we'll find out. If it right. So I don't know if it shows you it's it again. Like it's the man in form who strikes the first blow. So he shoots, hits the beach ball. In the net. Now, the funny thing is, that goal technically shouldn't have actually counted, but the referee allowed it to. And it was actually, it was Liverpool versus, I believe it was Sunderland? And it was actually a Liverpool fan who hit the beach ball onto the pitch and then it cost Liverpool the goal and they lost 1-0. So, uh, that fan was not very popular in Liverpool that evening. But the reason I said that is because I really wanted to preach a short message this morning, titled, What Happens Next? What Happens Next? You see, that was a bit of fun, but we've just celebrated Christmas, the season when Christ was born and we believe that Jesus is not just the reason for the season as cliche as that is but we really believe that Jesus is the reason for life he's the purpose for Christmas that amongst everything Jesus is the central foundation block of what Christmas really is all about I mean his name's in the title it's kind of a clue Christ mass but you see there's two people central to this story that we don't know an awful lot about and I was really reading it and I really this question of what happens next really gripped me. And these two people are the shepherds and the wise men. You see, in Luke two eight to twenty, we find these shepherds who are outside of Bethlehem, minding their own business, and all of a sudden, angels appear in the sky. And I mean, it's I've, I mean our, our nativity. If you didn't miss it last week, you should watch it online because the kids done an amazing job. The kids were wonderful. But I've never had angels literally appear to me out of nowhere singing glory to God in the highs. And I know that angels can appear to people, but it's never happened to me. I've never had an experience like the shepherds did that night. I've been to some of the best conferences you can go to. I've heard some of the best preachers. I've experienced some of the best worship you could ever experience. I've had some incredible experiences. In fact, I've been at the top of a volcano where it was just me, the stars, and other people. And the magnificence of God was on display. But I've never had angels appear to me saying, Hey, by the way, the Savior is born. This Messiah we've been waiting for. Glory to God in the highest. And on the other side of the equation... We've got the wise men in Matthew chapter two, verses one to twelve, who follow this start that leads them on this journey to find the living Messiah, where they find Jesus in his most vulnerable form in this well, it wouldn't have been a manger when the wise men got there, but he's just a baby and a toddler. This Jesus that we talk about, I've never seen him in the flesh. They have this incredible experience of God like no one else, so far as we can record, we've got shepherds and wise men experience. But then, what happens next? We never ever hear about the shepherds. All it says is, they, they went to see Jesus and they left glorifying God. It says that the wise men saw Jesus and then they went a different path, but then we never ever hear from them ever again. And I begged the question when I was reading, I was like, what happened next? So I tried to Google, I tried to find out, was there any record of, and I could find nothing about them. And so I was wrestling with this question with God, I was like, what happened next? And I really felt like God dropped something into my spirit to share that what happened next is up to me. And I was like, well, God, that doesn't make sense. I can't just make stuff up. And he was like, no, you're missing the point, David, as I so often do, and he has to show me. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this impression in my spirit that I'm the wise man. I'm the shepherd. I can have this encounter with Jesus, but what happens next is entirely up to me. The choice is yours and the choice is mine. You see, the shepherds and the wise men, they both experienced Jesus at different times and their experience of how they got to Jesus and their experience of Jesus might have been different but it was the same Jesus that they came to and your story and my story are entirely different but we came to the same Jesus and they both had a story to tell after they had an encounter with Jesus and God in his infinite wisdom has designed it so that you and I would be on this planet at this time with our experience of Jesus. That we weren't supposed to be around at 100 years time or 150 years ago. We were on this planet right now. Why? Because God designed it that way. The places that we work, the family that we have, the friends that we have, the neighbors that we have. God placed us in this tiny part of his story throughout history for his purposes. And I firmly believe that he's asking us the question, what happens Next, I believe it and I don't say it lightly, but I believe that God is looking at us to answer that question. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, him being Jesus, the one who has called us to himself by means of his glory and excellence. And so the question I have, it's quite a simple one at this festive period, is what are we going to do about it? What is our response going to be to what happens next? This season has easily been the most challenging season of our lives as a planet, as a nation, as a community, as we have lived through times which nobody could have ever dreamed of or could have imagined and it could be so easy to become despondent and to give up or to quit to stop trusting God to doubt him it can be so easy I mean there's been so many times over the last 20 to 22 months where I've just been like God I don't get this I don't understand what you're doing like a why but I really was drawn to one of my favorite characters in the bible who's Job and I say he's one of my favorite characters I don't really want to go through what he went through But to paraphrase his life, Job is this guy who's blessed. God has blessed his life. In fact, God has blessed his life so much that one day, I'm paraphrasing quite a bit for time, that God is boasting to the enemy, the devil, about how great Job is. That's how great Job was. I mean, wouldn't it be incredible if God was boasting to everyone about how great you were? And so the enemy comes to God and says, well, the only reason Job's so great is because you've blessed his life so much like it's easy to be great when God's blessing and so God then allows the enemy to mess with Job a little bit which sounds terrifying but actually it's so encouraging to know that the enemy can't mess with you unless God's allowed it to so the reality is if there's stuff going on in your life know that God allowed it but he didn't allow it to mess with you but he allowed it so that you can grow because he's always in control So Job goes on this journey where he pretty much loses everything. He loses his health. I mean, it gets to the point where God says, just don't kill him. You can do anything, just don't kill him. And Job goes on this journey and it goes on and on and on. And there's this back and forth for chapter in the book, chapter after chapter, with Job and his wife, Job and his friends. And he loses everything. Death enters his family, he loses his wealth, he loses his health, he loses everything that we would put our trust in, that we would be tempted to put our, I guess, build our lives on, out with God. His life is ruined. But the Bible records how Job never once sinned against God with his mouth. It got to the point where his wife, the closest person to him, said, just curse God and die. And Job refused. And while this is all going on in his life, Job's going back and forth with his friend, and it seems like God is completely silent on the matter. But then all of a sudden, God steps into Job's life, and he begins to interrogate Job. And what God's trying to do is not to try and destroy Job, but he's trying to open Job's eyes to realize that I am God in heaven, and I am in control. What happens next? is that Job eventually realizes how futile he is in comparison to the God who is worthy of it all and he just surrenders himself. Broken Job surrenders himself and God restores Job to greater than he ever had in the past. You see, Job goes on this journey of, well, you're in control, God. And the Bible recalls in Job 42 verse 12 that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more Than the former part. You see, God used things and stuff to break Job down, but it was to bring him to a place of greater understanding, of greater purpose, and of greater fruitfulness. But Job had to commit to this process. So, what happens next was up to Job. It could have been so easy, I don't, and this is why Job's one of my favorite characters, because wouldn't it be great to get to a place where all of I can lose everything on planet Earth and refuse to? blame God or get angry at God and keep trusting him because I'll be honest right now I'm not there I'd like to think I wouldn't curse God and die but I I, I can honestly say I'm not sure but I would like to open my heart up to God to say God I trust you completely God use me for your glory what happens next if it's up to me God here I am in fact it goes further than that with Job's story because not only did Job receive double everything he had to start with but he ends up interceding on behalf of his friends and God uses Job for his glory. It is an incredible story and I would encourage you to read the whole journey because it will stretch you but I believe today in 2021 as we look forward to 2022. That God has opened us up for this incredible invitation to shape what happens next for our families, for our communities, for our nation, and for this planet. God is inviting us to say what happens next is up to us. Why? Because God's already building His church, God is already in control, and He invites us to be part of His plan for humanity. And so the invitation is quite simple. What have we got to offer? Other than myself, you know, Winston Churchill gave that famous speech. But can you offer him our worship, our life, our time, our heart, our finances, our energy? What can we offer? Can we give him our fears, our hopes, our plans? Can we we simply come and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm trusting that you do, and so I surrender to what your will is. So God, I'm going to offer you my my good my bad and everything that's in between my my victories and my defeats I'm coming and like the song said I'm just going to lay them at your throne because you are worthy of it all you know the future of I know it sounds like I'm like a political speech but it's not actually going to be but I believe that the future of our nation is dependent on us. You know, God is never changing, but he's looking for people who are going to be brave enough to say, do you know what, God, we surrender to what your will is. God, use us. Here I am, a broken vessel, but I don't have much to offer, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you, God, because I believe that you can use me. God is desperate for individuals and collective groups who are willing to say, God, just use us for your glory. We want to lift your name high. We want to heal what's broken in our nation. We want to reach those who are so far lost, Father God, in order that they can find the hope and peace and joy that we have. And so the future, God is building his church. And he invites us to be a part of it. So the future of this church, the future of our communities, all dependent on you and on me. Because God is building his church. And so I believe that the question is quite simple. What happens next? That's the invitation I believe that God has for us today. I believe it's the invitation he has for us going forward. And so I just wanna ask a simple question. What dreams have we for? What do we believe for? What are we so desperate to see happen for God's glory? And my question is quite simply like, are we willing to make it happen? And it's not about building anything for ourselves, but what are we willing to do? To see those in our world coming to Jesus because he's worthy of it all. What are we willing to do to see those who are broken and the injustices in our society to heal them, to look after them and to protect them like the church is called to do? It's such a big question, but at the same time, I I honestly believe that it's one of the most important questions we'll ever ask ourselves. God, what happens next? Because we never hear about the shepherds and we never hear about the wise men. But wouldn't it be great if future generations can look at us and tell them about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God and the glory of God and that we can inspire them to go faster and further and deeper than we've ever gone in order that more and more people can come to faith in him, the one who is worthy of it all. I'm just going to pray for us and then... I've just got one thing I just want to share before I close. But Father God, I thank you that you are worthy of it all. God, I thank you that you deserve all of the glory. I thank you that the name of Jesus is greater than any fears that we face, any opposition we might face, any anxieties that we have. We can come and we can lay them at your feet. And Father God, I pray for all of us that you will give us a boldness, to answer the question of what happens next. That we'll wrestle with that question, but we won't just wrestle with it intellectually, God, but we'll allow it to just consume us. That like Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Will be the answer to that question for us. And you'll give us wisdom on how best we can outwork that. God, I just pray that by your spirit and in your name, we can see your kingdom come here on earth. Father God, in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen.